everyone. I'm Artemis. And I'm Rajni. And we are STEM Women in Kidlet. I'm an entomology technician and the author of Do Jellyfish Like Peanut Butter? Amazing Sea Creature Facts and The Grumpy Pirate. I'm a doctor and the author of the middle grade novels Midsummer's Mayhem, Red, White, and Whole, Much Ado About Baseball, and the picture books Seven Golden Rings, Bracelets for Bina's Brothers, and more. Hi everyone, today at STEM Women in Kidlet, we're here talking to Gail Villanueva, who is the author of My Fate According to the Butterfly, and the upcoming novel Sugar and Spite. She's also a web designer and developer. Hi, Gail. Hi. Thanks Welcome for having me. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you here. Yay. I'm so glad to finally meet you both. Well, it's great having you here, Gail, and we would love to hear a little bit about your STEM background. Well, the funny thing is, my I, I took up um, management of uh, in, uh, of um, communications technology in in college <laughs> then um now right now i've been like a, a web designer and developer for the past 23 years it's quite a long time <laughs> yeah so mostly my one of my favorite uh, whenever people ask what languages i speak i usually tell them it's english tagalog PHP, HTML, CSS, <laughs> <laughs> and usually people zone out when they listen when they hear the last three. So, <laughs> so which is the most difficult of all those languages? Probably for me, it's the PHP. Yeah, because um, I, I usually uh, for, I started with a uh, front end uh, development, uh, front end design, front end coding. I mean, uh, so. I just learned PHP by, like, uh, you know, uh, opening up code and then just testing it out. I didn't really do. I, I didn't really have any formal web design and development uh, training. Like, if you were like expecting that, I was like, I went to uh, designers uh, web designer school, like computer school. No, definitely not. I, I just like uh, I just learned by deconstructing web pages. That's like. And I was like 13 years old. So it's basically exactly like how Rajni learned about the human body by dissecting things. Kind of like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I always bring everything back to dissection, don't I? But like, yeah, that basically, like, um, when uh, you remember, like, um, you just, you, you need just, I remember doing like uh, view source code using the browser view source code, like check out the source code of websites. And I know it sounds totally geeky, but the funny thing is uh, when I was like in, when I was 13 years old, I wasn't uh, what you would call like a, a total geek. I wasn't the typical <laughs> geek, if you know what I mean. Like um, people had no idea. I was like obsessed with HTML at that time. Like I was a basketball varsity player. <laughs> Can you imagine? No. <laughs> I, yeah, I was an athlete, and people at school knew I was a, a I was an athlete. Like they knew that I can draw, but they had no idea. I was totally obsessed with code, and uh, that's a funny thing. And uh, during my free time, my parents think I was like uh, 
I remember like uh, that was in the early 90s. I'm kind of old. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I was like spending so much time on the computer. My my mom thought I was just like studying. I was technically studying, but there wasn't studying that she, she thought I was studying. You were studying the computer. Little yeah. did she know. Yeah, she had no idea I was studying HTML the whole time. And um, those web pages, those like, do you remember those uh, first web pages, like uh, the AOL era? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just ar- around that time, like, like, you know, images are centered, like the basic stuff, like huge fonts, like the marquee. Yeah, started with that one. And then mm-hmm. somehow, um, my, since my dad is a, photograph, is a photographer, I managed to convince him that buying Photoshop license is worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so this is another thing that I learned. It's like um, if it, uh, I learned how to use the first Photoshop. Uh, if you can recall, right now, if you're using Photoshop, you know that you can just easily add a drop shadow. Back then, you have to manually create a drop shadow by like duplicating the layer and uh, you know, turning a uh, blurring it and then changing its color. I know I sound so nerdy, but I no, actually I, didn't. <laughs> I actually <laughs> learned Photoshop in a photography class I took in high school, but we were doing darkroom photography. And I think yeah. we were one of the last classes to do darkroom photography, but like people had just kind of started, like Photoshop had just kind of gone more mainstream. So yeah. all that stuff on Photoshop made a lot of sense if you were doing darkroom <laughs> photography, because you're like, oh, this is what this means. And it's a, it suddenly seems very easy to do all that now. Yeah, exactly. And the funny thing is that since I've been like using Photoshop since like I was 13, my husband, every th- sometimes he asks me questions while I was like, when I'm sleeping, he's going to wake me up. Like I'm like really <laughs> in deep sleep. Imagine like you're dreaming and everything. And he's going to wake me up. He's going to be like, Gail, I, I need to know how, how how do you do this in Photoshop? I, I have a deadline for a client, blah, 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 blah. So basically, okay, so what do you want to do? And then he's going to ask me the question. And the funny thing is, even though I'm half asleep, I'm able to answer exactly how to do it. And like, (laughs) (laughs) I I just know where the, it's so weird. Like It's deep in your brain. It's deep in your brain. Yeah, it's like seated there that I can like talk about it. I can, you can ask me a question about it, even though I'm half asleep. Yeah. Maybe you just learned it during a particularly like imprinting time in your brain yeah, development probably, or something. Yeah. Probably it, it, it just imprinted like when I was like in the thir- I was like 13 when I started it. And it's the same thing when I was like, and he asked me about HTML. Because um, between my husband and me, he's the one who manages our finances. And so it's mostly me who does the um the coding in, in, in our team. But uh, sometimes he does the minor updates, like for the uh, just minor updates for like using WordPress now. So it's per- it's really easy. So sometimes he needs to like change certain CSS or HTML. It's the exact same thing. He asks me questions while I'm half asleep, and I get to answer. Like I rattle off, like yeah, try like ty- try typing like background uh, background dash color <laughs> colon. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, number sign, la la la, FFF. 
semicolon and then make sure to close the tag blah blah, blah. And it's just so weird because um when i wake up i totally forget that he ever asked me that question when i was like half asleep so so you basically and- sleep code I sleep go. go. That's so funny. It's so weird. And then when, when I like wake up, I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna go to the home office and they're like, so what's up? Like he's like, did you forget that I asked you like how to do this? You did? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> and it's just like it's just so odd. Like um, it's one of those quirks that I rarely talk about because whenever my husband and I talk uh talk about it he, he tells people about it like he's actually so proud that i'm able to do that kind of thing but every time he tells people people are like what <laughs> that's not normal <laughs> that's, that, that's so okay not i've i've had that experience as a doctor i mean not like when i was a resident we would um, go to a different hospital, like as consult, like there were, it was a specialty hospital. So we would just go next door to consult on medical issues for these people. So like, um, you know, it would usually be like that they had an EKG that we had that they wanted us to read. So like, I would go over there, I would see the patient, I'd do all the stuff and I'd read the EKG. And then we were required to like page the on-call cardiologist and like just run it by them and just, you know, cause they're the attending, right? And we were, you know, we were residents still. So one time I did this and everything was fine. And we had this great conversation with this cardiologist. And the next morning I was leaving to go home and my pager goes off and it's that cardiologist. And I, I call him and he goes, did we have a conversation last night? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, like I told you all about this patient and you agreed with everything I had to say. And he was like, He's like, I, I don't remember any of that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all right. Well, he's like, well, okay, I'll just like go see the patient myself too. And but like, can you just tell me what you said? And I was like, blah. And he was like, okay. <laughs> I told you the right thing at least. I agreed. <laughs> I think it's 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 instinct already. Like it's so embedded in the same things over and over again we're like right exactly yeah you do it so over and over so much that you just can do it in your sleep literally (laughs) so whenever people tell um whenever mark my husband tells people like my wife can code in her sleep she he he really 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 means it (laughs) he's not he wasn't he's not exaggerating it's like literally it happens like i can code while i'm sleeping right right yeah so i guess like it's just just funny so does this also apply to your writing do you write in your sleep hmm not really (laughs) (laughs) because that's that's the problem with writing uh sometimes i try because um, th- there are instances where I have like this really vivid dream that has like a beginning, middle, and end. It's like literally a story plot. So what I do is that I have this notebook beside my be- on my bedside tempo- table. And whenever I wake up and I have that kind of dream, I write it down. The problem is my handwriting is just so 
bad. <laughs> like, uh, like, you know, it's so bad whenever I just woke up, like when I'm sleep writing. It's like, it's incoherent. Like, just some loops and la- lines and loops and lines. And when I'm up, I'm like, oh my gosh, what did I, what did I write? This must be really good because I wrote it down. But the problem is, what is it? <laughs> I mean, I'm having a hard time deciphering my own handwriting. That's the problem with sleep writing with me, my handwriting. I just can't, like, you know, you know you're thinking what you're supposed to be writing, but your hand yes. is cooperating. That, that happens to me even when I write when I'm awake by hand. So, yes. I guess you just need to write it in HTML. Can you write like an entire novel that way? And then you know since what? you Probably. can sleep code, you could just like code it and it would turn into a web page, but then it would be a web page that somehow you would like unencrypt and it would turn into a perfect novel. Probably. Okay. That that would probably work, you know? <laughs> Is unencrypt even a word? That's not what, what's the... Yeah. yeah I don't know. I don't know. Decrypt? decrypt (laughs) it's a mystery I've had like um I don't know pages upon pages of incoherent stuff that I've written like right after when I wake up and the problem is that's the time when I'm like one of the instances that I'm most creative like just when I wake up and um I, I usually like that my ideas usually come when I just woke up or uh, when I'm in the shower. So my husband usually asks me like, uh, okay, you're taking an extra long shower right now. So I'm not going to ask because if I ask you, you're going to be pissed because I'm just going to be distracting you because you're probably <laughs> untangling a plot while you're in, in the shower. And oh, for yeah. some reason, yeah. <laughs> probably it's that being alone. That, that's what and like, nobody's there to bother you no ducks quacking for attention no dogs <laughs> begging for food <laughs> yeah so it's like probably the only time that I can like really think about untangling plots and even like uh, solutions to my um sometimes I get like issues like bugs that I can't fix in my in my code so Usually the solution is that I go, I just, just just need to take a really long shower. And by the time I'm done, I know the solution in my head. And like, I'm just going to go straight to, to my computer and fix it. I've totally and, pulled out my phone in the middle of a shower and like kind of <laughs> reached around the shower curtain and like typed something on my phone, like <laughs> mid shower. So I, I totally relate to that. Yeah, but, right. but you at least sound like you're like able to wait until you're at a real computer. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, for some reason, I re- repeat it over and over in my head so I don't forget. And the, so by the time I'm on my computer, it's like there. Like the, and, and the funny thing about it is like, I, I know this is like so, not everybody. It, it actually surprised me that not everybody does this. They like have an exact picture of something, a vivid picture of something in their head. So like um I know that some people when they read they don't have visuals in their head. I have exact visuals like very vivid. So if you like um I I remember like there was this test like going around like on on Twitter once something like um what do you see how do you see this apple how do you imagine how, how can you picture this apple in your head 
sometimes mm-hmm. there are people who, who can't picture it but they can like feel or like make sense that it's an apple mm-hmm. with me I have like a 3D version of that apple in my head like I know that every blemish of that apple so I can just picture it so if you f- tell me something disgusting at this moment like tell me something gross it's going to like trigger an, a mental picture in my head at the very moment that you say it so <laughs> oh god yeah so I don't think you watch Dr. Pimple Popper on uh, Instagram then right Oh, I watch it all the time. <laughs> I love Dr. Pimple Popper. I love it. Okay. I love it. <laughs> and, my, daughter, and, and, my daughter is obsessed with her. She's like, I love that stuff that comes out. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. I, I'm like her daughter. I love it. It's like, it's so relaxing. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and, and that moment when she pulls the, uh, what do you call that uh. in doctor terms? Like, that that sack is that what you yeah. call it oh oh yeah like yeah. assist like, or lipoma or something uh, takes it out of there so she has great language on that too though it's a go that compares she- everything to food oh yeah so it's like oh <laughs> your lymphoma looks a little bit like what i ate for dinner last night or something and sometimes like oh this little guy is like so cute sometimes she calls it cute it's so weird mm-hmm. she calls it cute but you know whatever i mean oh, sometimes like, you know, I... An, an abscess with like cottage cheese consistency <laughs> seafood you're like oh no, no, no. it's just so gross but it is satisfying because she it, solves the problems satisfying. she fixes the problems it's not like somebody uh, just yeah has the pustule and it has to stay there no she takes care of it it's gone <laughs> i think that's the thing that relaxes me the most that, that's the thing that I find it the most satisfying is that she finishes things she fixes it then by the end of it it's like done and um, and everybody's happy they come in really sad yeah. and they leave really happy it's that's like right. I don't know it's like some books right that have like <laughs> yeah. all these problems and then they get like wrapped up with a beautiful bow at the end you're listening to stem women in kid lit hosted by Rajni LaRocca and Artemis Rarig we're here today talking with web designer and middle grade author, Gail Villanueva. So uh, in your books, what um, does does your tech background come into the middle? The funny thing is that I try to avoid my tech background, but sometimes but it seeps into the process of writing. So does your um, visualizing stuff, maybe that's why you went into web design then if you're so good at visualizing yeah. things because you can see the code and then see how it will appear on the screen yeah. immediately, right? Does that work really well when you're writing a middle grade too? Because there's no pictures. And I was I was thinking that like maybe because I write picture books a lot, I don't ever visualize pictures because somebody else is going to like yeah, create the picture true. and it's never going to be what I think in my brain. So, but well, so for well, your middle grade. Well, from my middle grade, uh, one of the things that people say about it is that there's like, um, they can picture the, the places that they actually describe. So that that comes through, like my being able to describe, uh, like picture things in my head. I like, I, as much as possible, I try my best to like put them in words. So, I, uh, so uh, one of the things that I make sure that I, I, it might not be something to do in my tech background at all, but 
it's probably the design side of me that uh, I make sure that um, you get a sense of place, that the place in the story is a character on its own. Just like in My Faith According to the Butterfly, uh, the Manila in the story isn't just Manila as a background. Manila is a character in the story that uh, affects Sab positively and negatively. So uh, that's the thing with me is that I like to bring people into my setting. And, and I think that's where the, uh, the being visual comes in. And, and to be honest, just, you know, between us and everybody who will listen to this podcast, probably <laughs> the world, you know, just between us. Um, one of my, um, the thing that I find the most difficulty in is internal dialogue. Like the, uh, yeah, the, the feelings, adding feelings. Yeah, that mm-hmm. that's the thing that that fi- I find most. I, I always need to work on whenever I write, so I can like describe an entire picture of what's happening, and um, the places like I can like put it in writing in detail without no problem. But when it comes to interiority, I have to work on it. That's one of the things that my agent, my agent and my editor always points out. Like you have to include a little bit more interiority into this. So I don't know why. That's probably just because I'm like technical, and <laughs> or just because it's something you can't see. And, and if you yeah. if you're picturing everything, you can't see like feelings. Yeah, probably that's why. And I mean, they're visual clues, but that's not the same thing as seeing a that's feeling. Really, that's really interesting. I mean, I think actually that's a great thing to know. <laughs> Isn't it? It's a great thing to know yeah. the stuff that is like that is challenging for you. Because then you can like focus on it and be like, oh, okay, like, is this where I need to add some stuff kind of thing? I think that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, I think that's really cool, actually. And then the thing is, is that um, I, I think my web design background, my web development background really comes in whenever I plan a new story. Mm-hmm. Because um, normally one of um, my, my clients would like uh, would really attest to this is that before I start each project, I give them like a 10-page questionnaire, like asking them everything like, who is your target market? And that's the management side. <laughs> that, that's my management <laughs> marketing background coming in. Like I ask them the target audience. Uh, I tell them to brag to me what they think would would sell their books to people, ask them for sample sites, sites that they don't like, about their brand, everything. Like sometimes I even ask them their hobbies. Um, mm-hmm. Hobbies, their favorite book covers, because with those things, I get a, a great a sense of what they really like and what they are like. So I, I with that kind of information, I'm able to create a website that would reflect what they write and at the same time who they are as a writer. So um, that's that's the thing that I also try to do with my with my um, writing is that if you can think of somebody who's like an extreme plotter, that's probably me because I cannot write a single sentence unless I have a world building page. Um, 
I have like pictures of my world, like a Pinterest board. I, I should have like my Spotify playlist ready. I should have like each and I, I have like character sheets for every character in my book. Even minor ones. <laughs> yeah, and the, my outline is like so detailed. I have to like um the I, I do it like process like like a snowflake method, but a little bit extreme because um what I do is that I usually write a really detailed synopsis that would last like a, around like uh, 16 pages probably. Yeah, <laughs> that's my synopsis. Single space. Rajini's eyes are bugging out right now I'm for those like, who can't like, see what? her. That's that's amazing. Single space. And then um from those single space I I like divide them into chapters. So bef- just bef- and that, that, I'm not yet done. I'm, I, I'm not going to start writing yet. So um, I, I use Scrivener, by the way, because it, it's perfect for somebody like me. And then, um, yeah, yeah like, um, so like, I'm going to divide them into certain chapters that synopsis, that 16 page synopsis. So it, I'm going to have like my chapters already. And sometimes I even have my chapter titles ready. And then when I do that, I'm going to have to, like, I'm going to write it in um, in kind of like a script form. Like how the dialogue would play out. But just like in the script form, like name, like um, semicolon, and then the uh, the dialogue. I mean, some description, like this will happen, like something like that. And then after that, that's when I'm going to start writing, once I have those. How, lo- how long does all that preparation take? That's a funny thing. I prepare like um, one to two months. Write it in less than a month. <laughs> I think I need to take some pages from you. That's amazing. I'm, I, I would say that I am a planter. So I plot a lot. Um, but also um, I leave some details just fuzzy so that as I'm writing, stuff emerges from whatever subconscious or whatever it is. And then I kind of move along and I'm like I didn't, I didn't know that about that person <laughs> right, cool so there's like like at least I know where I'm going but there's also a sense of discovery in the middle of it but that's interesting but it does take me longer to write but maybe it doesn't yeah. maybe if you if you plan for one to two months and write in less than a month maybe it's I don't know it depends but it's also like different stories right or different length of time for me to write so who knows yeah and yeah. I think it's mostly like um I think it's because of my background and and it's just the pro- my process in web design that I need to have everything ready. I need to know what exactly I'm going to make before I start on it because I'm just going to feel antsy like um and and <laughs> I I'm just, it's going to make me feel so uncomfortable like I I don't know why like if I don't have these I don't know who my characters are before I start I'm like I can't write it. <laughs> and, and, I, and then the funny thing is that, so it was, you can just imagine how difficult it was for me to write Sugar and Spite under contract. Because like, um, <laughs> yeah, but, but I made sure to make the preparations before because I know that if I do it on the fly, like, most writers do I'd probably never gonna finish and I'm it was under contract so I had to do something about it so you know I just um 
I just made it clear to my editor that this is my process. <clears throat> so you probably won't be hearing anything from me in the next month <laughs> about this, but you can be sure that when you get it, it's it's more or less clean. And that's the, right, it's the, the funny, real story. Right. Yeah, it's the real story. And the funny thing is that when she re I I have this like um <clears throat> weird perfectionist thing about like about people reading my first drafts. So if somebody reads my first draft, I have this weird inclination to want to change it. <laughs> if you know what I mean. So so like the sugar and spite, the funny thing about that is that when I gave my ed- editor story, she was like more or less okay with it and she had some like she had a bunch of changes. But I took it to the next level and then rewrote half the book. <laughs> and not not just half, like a lit, I think a little more than half the book. When she, when she got the revision, she was like, "Is this the same book?" <laughs> I can see the same characters, but the plot it seems so different. And wow! Yeah, probably it's just the perfectionist feeling. I just cannot give somebody, um, you know, a substandard story. Like you know, a draft. I I can't I can't submit a draft. That's so, so interesting because I feel like part of the reason maybe I I don't know I'm self analyzing right now, but maybe part of the reason that I don't ever do outlines is that for me once I've done an outline I find it very hard to edit and change mm-hmm. it because it's like feels like it's down in stone then versus I like I'm always just like mucking around and editing as I'm writing and. I don't know. Do you have that after you've done all of this preparation work and like created all these wonderful character outlines and stuff, then do you feel like worse when you have to like, you know, delete an entire character or something since you've put all no. this work into it? No. Funny enough, no. Um, I've done that already. I like totally revamped a main character's personality. And I didn't feel so bad about it because I'm this is actually the same thing that I do when I code. When a solution doesn't work for me anymore, when I'm like, um, for example, like uh, this code works for something, but apparently later on I find out that the, 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 the client needs something else to be done in addition to what I already have. <clears throat> and then when I realize that the solution that I, I created for this um, certain um, certain application doesn't know doesn't work efficiently anymore i'm just gonna totally scrap it but i'm pretty sure that i'm gonna have another client who's going to have the same requirements as the as the initial the initial draft that they made so i'm just gonna reuse the code basically i i, I do that mm. with characters as well on and plots so nice. if, if if something doesn't work for this particular book I'm just going to like throw it away, set it aside. And then if I have a new story that, if I have another story that would call for something like that, I'm going to just use it. It's in, so yeah, it it actually attributes to like, it's something to do with efficiency, more or less. Mm -hmm. um, There's really no point of like redoing certain things when there's, it's already there. Like, you know, why reinvent the wheel? the wheel is already this, working this just is, fine. Like, you know. This is fascinating. To, you know what, Gail? You know what you've just described, which is fasc- fascinating to me? This is like a modular story element. 
like, I will take this yeah. character that is not right for this story, but I already know everything about this character. I can yes. just use them for another. That is so cool. Yeah. And it's like such an engineer kind of way of thinking of things. <laughs> Right, because you're like, I'm doing everybody's websites. I'm not gonna write that same damn code over and over again, am I? I'm exactly. Gonna that code and put it over there, and it's gonna make it look this color and that, and do this fancy thing. It's so interesting. It's. I, I think, I, think the framework. It's the framework kind of uh, process. I think, yeah. So because I I also think what is fascinating about what you're saying is that, so you, when you, as a web designer, you use code, but you create art out of it, right? Like it's basically, yeah. you know, I mean, that's what it has to be. It has to look good and has to function both, yep, right? Exactly. And so what you're saying is that you're using your web design engineer brain <laughs> to create art in the form of stories. And it like there are similarities there. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> right. And you know what? I'm actually loving this conversation because this is the first time somebody is actually <laughs> somebody is it telling me, Gail, please translate. <laughs> we get it. We stem people. We get it. We get it. Yeah, when I, when I found out that you have like um you started this podcast, I'm so excited. I was so excited. Oh my god, I'm not alone. <laughs> and this idea and she's like Rajni I think that there are a lot of people that fit this description I was like yeah we were at a we were at a conference and she was like there's like half a dozen people here that fit this description and I was like really and then <laughs> that was she's amazing she you had a brilliant idea Artemis yeah I, oh. I, I just in, like talking to people and meeting cool people who are in STEM and this was like a good way to do it and it worked perfectly during a pandemic because I get, we get to meet all these fun people not to mention Gail you who are like <laughs> across the entire world from us so I'm, I'm noticing right now that Gail is wearing like a t-shirt and I'm wearing like three sweaters <laughs> so that's like right there is the like <laughs> oh it's so warm right now it's almost uh, noon and it's like it's so hot at noon actually I should ask you to like tell our listeners like where you are and what your books are where, where the setting of your book is well you said Manila oh. but like your other one isn't in Manila too so is it well this uh, Sugar and Spite is actually in a fictional island in the Philippines it's more provincial so it's not in Manila there you go it's not in Manila definitely but still in the Philippines uh, because like that's one of the things like uh, I need to be able to have a really, really good grasp of a place before I can write about it. Because before I feel comfortable mm -hmm. writing about it. So, um, and uh, it's it's probably like with me as well as like the idea of being able to uh, plan for things. Like, uh, if I'm going to write something that's totally a fantasy world, I'm going to need to have, like, a lot of, like, uh, uh, my Pinterest board is going to be huge. Because <laughs> I need to have a clear picture of it. So, there's, like, a hint of another, things, another thing that I'm working on. I I'm working on a totally, totally fantasy world. And... Right now, the world building that I'm doing is like approaching game development levels. 
Oh my like goodness. A, that good. Yeah, I had like I took like a, a book course in in um a uh, a subject in college for game development. So it's fun. <laughs> it's interesting. I was like one of the only two women in that class. And the rest are all like guys. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like it's not you don't see many I, I well for one for that particular class or like there are only like two of us in game development. So I believe it. Is that I the case it. um like where you are across the field? Yeah, actually. There's there are more male um programmers and that's that's one of the things like it's it's hard to like um there's still this sexism in the industry like they expect that just because you're a woman you don't you, you can't be as good as the man and uh, sometimes like you know not to be not to be a feminist or anything but sometimes like i can say like excuse me i've had like 23 years of experience and you just learned Photoshop and WordPress in like what a year or two <laughs> I have like 23 years background coding from ground up so shut up <laughs> so sometimes they do that and then um and I don't like say it out loud because like you know you have to be like you have to be professional so whenever I encounter somebody like that I just I just say a lot of technical stuff technical jargons and stuff and then they were like oh and next thing you know they're gonna be respecting you <laughs> because they realize that they can't understand the technical jargon that you're throwing at them and they find it surprising and um it's uh i think i got into the point in my career that i don't need to do that anymore yeah. Because um yeah, and um but at first it was really hard. Like I, I needed to prove myself as as a capable web designer and developer. Uh, it it's extra hard to prove yourself. You can't just like, you know, just go out I can do this. Like you have to show them that I'm able to do this and this is my work. So uh, it's 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 one of the things that um I had a hard time in the field and um luckily my husband like <laughs> since he's a guy he's the one who like um early in our business is that he's the one who front he's basically the front he, he's the one who talks to the clients so, because sometimes they doubt hmm. like uh is this uh, uh is your team any good since it's led by a woman or something like that they, they needed to see like uh, a, a male a representative and um i guess it's it's one of the things that's part of our culture as well it, this thing this mm -hmm. this kind of thinking is particular about when it comes to like our uh, local clients because the philippines is a bit the current like the, the post-colonial philippines is a bit uh patriarchal mm -hmm. It's it's a totally different thing from the pre-colonial Philippines because pre-colonial Philippines is a matriarchal society. I'm 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 talking about history now. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very matriarchal. But when it, the Philippines got uh, colonized by Spain and then the U.S. Uh, and then just a few, I think we had a few years with. Um, uh, 
we didn't exactly get colonized by Japan, like, but just during World War Two that they were um, they were here and everything. Um, I think it was the colonizers and post-colonial Philippines is very different from pre-colonial in, in a sense that women are regarded as um, uh, 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 with positions of power and they don't question it. And and um, it's interesting. Is like uh, the the reason why I found out is when I was like researching magical systems for my <laughs> for my super secret <laughs> book, <laughs> and um, I, I found out that this is surprisingly it's very very matriarchal. You can actually get uh, arrested of some sort if you do not give women the same opportunity as men, something like that. And the, Gail, the, you, you yeah. and I have to talk at some point because <laughs> I'm. I I also have similar themes in a fantasy story that I that I'm writing, so that's right? interesting. Yes, interesting. It, it's so but, cool. I, I, you know I, I you, actually love it. You know what you just described, though, Gail, with your husband being the front, like the front man for your business, um, is the premise of a TV show from the. I think it was the early 1980s in the U.S. called um, Remington Steel. Have you ever heard of it? Really? No, 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 no. It's okay, it's not about web development. There was no web <laughs> but, but it's about it's about a woman played by Stephanie Zimbalist who is a private detective, and so she opens her own detective agency. But nobody will hire her because she is a woman. They don't believe a woman private detective can do anything. So she makes up does not exist named uh-huh. Remington Steele and it's his That's agency and she and she always shows up and she's like I'm his associate and I just you know and so she solves everything but <laughs> then one day a guy played by Pierce Brosnan shows up and she's like who are you and he's like I'm Remington Steele <laughs> so he's this con man that's it that's right he's this con man who just shows up pretending to be her boss. He knows nothing about detective work and he ends up getting all the credit for everything, but she has to go along with it because otherwise she has to admit she's been lying that this guy doesn't agree. So That's interesting. Isn't it funny? That's interesting, yeah. I, mean, I gotta watch that. I hope it's in a Netflix or something. <laughs> it was it was highly entertaining when I saw it as a kid, but I don't know if it holds up, but I thought it was just, it was fantastic. And of course, you know, there's like romantic tension between the two of them because like he's the con man that yeah. is like making her lie, continue <laughs> helping her continue the lie but also he's strangely attractive so you know that's Pierce Brosnan <laughs> yeah, you know what speaking of which actually that's one of the things why I really like um Mary Specious book the middle grade book the the, the asked her for her recommendation and she came out she came out with a recommendation, a STEM book recommendation. All right, let's go. <laughs> yeah, well, um, the, <laughs> the book from by um, Mary Specia, it's uh, The House That Lou Built. Basically, the girl in the story is a um, an architect. And she's like having this, uh, she was leading this band of um, misfits, her cousins, cousin misfits, into building uh, a tiny house. And there's like um, and it's quite interesting because you don't often see kids like that, like being a leader, not just a leader, but a leader of something that's highly technical. 
and that would require mm. engineering, um, uh, mathematics, because you need to have math, you know, you need to know math to be able to like, to make sure it doesn't like collapse. <laughs> so it's like, it's really interesting. Like, um, the, and the nice thing about this book is that it also includes a, a, a touch of um, Philippine American culture the diaspora Philippines, and that's what I find it so interesting, is that diaspora Philippine culture is so much similar and at the same time so different than the Philippine culture that I'm used to as a, you know, uh, someone who was born and raised and currently living in the Philippines. It's totally different and it's, I find it so interesting that it's still very, very Filipino at the same time, if you know what I mean. It, it's hard to describe, mm -hmm. but um, it's the same, but it's not the same, if you know what I mean. I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't, like, I told you I'm, like, really bad at interiority. When you first wrote your books, were you, did you have an American audience? audience in mind when you were writing them or were you writing them not thinking about an audience or were you writing them thinking about a Filipino audience? Well that's the thing um, if you ask like um, somebody uh, like probably an agent if you ask like what's the coverage of North American rights they're going to tell you US Canada um, I think Australia is included in North American no if you say North American rights no. Philippines is included Oh. In North American rights, yeah. So, um, oh, okay. So we didn't even know this. Right. Great. <laughs> yeah, we learn something new every no day. No idea. <laughs> yeah, because some um, a lot of our books are imported from the U.S. So, in a way, I made it for an American audience, and it because I wanted it to be a window and a mirror at the same time. So mm -hmm. it's not totally oh, for. American audiences, but I also wanted like Filipino kids to feel represented in the story. Like um, there are things in that in that book that um, some I like um, mentioned it, but it's probably going to go over somebody who's American, like you know, just gonna go over their heads. But for a Filipino, mm -hmm. if they see certain things, they would laugh because they know that it's just so bad. Uh -huh. like for example, in the My Faith According to the Butterfly, there's like a part there where the, uh, the uh, train broke down and they have to like literally walk on the, on the rail, mm. elevated railway. Ah. Yeah. And you know what the, the funny thing with that is that it really happens before, like, the, the 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 train keeps on breaking down everywhere and <laughs> and whenever it breaks down breaks down it stops sometimes it stops in the middle of the railway and you have to walk all the way to the station and the, probably every station has its own breaking down story like it that was some um, i think that happened like um a few years ago and the mrt keeps on breaking down before they finally the government finally did something about it and um yeah, and like um, the funny thing about it is that when when I first put it in the book, my editor is like, "Is this realistic?" I'm like, I sent her like these links. Yes, <laughs> check these out, <laughs> and there are pictures of it. And she's like, "Oh my gosh," <laughs> she was so surprised, and then she was like wondering how come. And there was I remember like there was also like a a, 
time when the uh, copy editor pointed out that how come there isn't any um, emergency services in the in the scene, and I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> it's in the Philippines, like that's like unheard of, unless somebody falls off the railway literally and splatters on the ground. That's probably when you're gonna have like emergency services. But you know, people walking on the railway, no, no need for emergency services because it happens so often. People are like, you know, desensitized about it. And then like that is one of the difficulties that, that I had. Like there are mm-hmm. things that my uh, Filipinos are already desensitized about. Mm. That I have to make it um in a way since I'm publishing in the U.S. I have to make it in a way in like you know, not to make it sound so. Uh, how do you describe? That? You don't like, want to freak the American kids out by something that isn't yeah. supposed to be freaking them out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have so, to be like, like, this is just the way it is here. It's okay. Like that's like because for your character, that's just normal life. Yeah, exactly. Like um, and um. And actually, it's one of the things, like, um, there are things that I included in my books that that would encourage kids to actually Google it. Google or mm. read more about it, not just mm. online, like, even watch about it in documentaries. Because it's one of the things that I love to do and um, that I cannot live without is my... National Geographic channel. <laughs> like, uh, I, I can't live without, uh, like, you know, I remember, like, moving to the uh, suburbs from the city. And in the city, I had, like, all my channels. I had, like, Animal Planet and everything. And then when I had to move to the, um, to the, um, to the suburbs, because we sold our house there, I found out that the service, the cable service, servicing the, um, the province, doesn't have Animal Planet, and you know, like I had to call the, <laughs> I totally called this the the cable provider. And like, why can't don't I have my Animal Planet? <laughs> and just like, I'm sorry, ma'am, but it's not available in your area. And like, I I'm willing to pay extra. And like, no, sorry, we don't have it available yet. Like, I think, and this is one of the things that I actually wa- like watching. It's like one of my guilty pleasures, aside from K-dramas, one of my guilty pleasures, like <laughs> Animal Planet, History Channel. Um, and another thing, aside from medical dramas that I like. Dr. Pepper Popper. Pepper Popper. And also like um, those detective, like case of the week kind of oh. shows. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's probably, again, it's probably my need to see something resolved. Yes. Yeah, because, it is nice. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, like you, you get this sense of satisfaction of the at the end of the episode, like when they catch the killer. At the end right. of it. You're you're not a soap opera fan, I take it. Those <laughs> yeah. those those they like, never uh, get resolved. They're just like ongoing. On somebody's always in the hospital. I, I can't handle <laughs> those things. I like I, I've tried tried to like watch some K dramas. That's the thing with me when I watch K dramas. I make sure I, I I I think that's one of the things that I like about it is that they you know that it's going to end after sixteen or twenty episodes, mm-hmm. so there's like a sense of closure at the end of it. Right. So right, it's so not going to be for like, the rest of your life. <laughs> then I'm not gonna be one. The problem is then you watch all sixteen episodes like at once because you want to get <laughs> to that like 
Great ending. <laughs> That's a problem. Although I'm starting to watch, uh, there's a new drama right now on Netflix. It's called uh, Startup. I'm not sure. Is it showing there in the U.S.? I'm not sure. But um, they have like new episodes every week. And Startup is basically about like um, young CEOs, young um, CEOs in a um, in a setting kind of like Silicon Valley. And and they're like um they're they're in this program where where they get um get funding from a, a certain com- corporate sponsor helping their their startup like get better and and the the thing about it is that most this the main characters um the main characters company is it's it's totally a tech company they they have this um really cool app where uh. Aphasia, it's basically artificial, artificial intelligence uh, that they have this app, the camera that recognizes certain things. Like um, if, if you show the camera on a, a on a tumbler, it will recognize that is a tumbler. So they did mm-hmm. this. They use this technology to um to help the blind see. Mm-hmm. Like um, so so. That's the pro. That that's a thing. But the conflict in that story is that while it's it's going to change people's lives, it's not really profitable for other companies to make money out of. So mm-hmm. um, so they're basically struggling. And um, of course, there's like the the love story and like and it's since it's a K drama, there's also a secondary love interest and all that. Like, but those are the side story. But the thing is, they find it so interesting because it's so. Um, it brings me back to that time when my husband and I first started this this venture when when we dis- both decided that we, we want to to start a um a company together a, a design studio and um both of us actually have um background in technical support hmm. We, we were both like um we were we worked at the call center both of us because um mm-hmm. my husband and I we both like solving things nice yeah, yeah. and then nice. um but he's more he, he took um he was uh, he was at the uh, technical support because I didn't want him to like um to leave a uh, regular paying job to like to go into the business 100% go in the business with me and unless we were pretty stable in the, the business already so so he was there for like three years. So right now he's the one who handles hardware for us since he knows it better. And like um because those three years that he was there, I was like already concentrating on web design and development. And um it kind of works. I mean, every time like something happens to my Mac, I'm like, ah, oh, what's going on with my computer? Just calm down, like he's gonna like break it apart and the funny thing about my husband is that he's technical in a different way than I am because of, I remember there was this flood in 2009 um, it's Typhoon our house got flooded like chest deep literally so um, there are some stuff that um, we weren't able to save and our car we, we, we didn't we had like a manual a manual car back then it was um it was a hatchback. And um, the thing is, there were a lot of cars that got flooded as well. So if you're going to bring it to the shop, you're going to have to wait like a month 
to be actually serviced. Not because they're slow, but because there's just so many cars that they have to do. So my husband, you know what he did? He went online. He downloaded the manual for our car, which was a Hyundai Getz. He downloaded the manual. And then when I woke up the next morning, the kitchen is so full of... It's like literally full of car parts. <laughs> he disassembled the car. And the whole car <laughs> is in the kitchen. <laughs> and I was like, is this our car? And then when I look outside, oh my gosh, it is our car. It's like oh my gosh. And the... And and he was he's just so organized that he has it labeled. He had labels on everything. So he's like, don't touch anything or our car won't start. <laughs> so, oh my god. I'm like, how am I gonna eat? Like eat in the bedroom. Don't eat here. Like, don't cook, don't do whatever. And the car, our car is all over the place. The funny thing was able to fix it. There yeah, you go. My job. I have two questions for you. One of which is relevant to this podcast and one of which is definitely not. Sure. Okay. The first one is, how did you get into writing books for kids? Like, where did that come from in the middle of all your tech world stuff that you're doing? Well, I just love to read. Like, um. Yeah. It, it's an escape for me. Like uh, that's probably one of the things I like about middle grade is that there's always a happy ending, happy or hopeful ending. Hopeful, yes, and, at least hopeful. Yeah, hopeful. And there's things get resolved, but at the end of it, and there's also kind of like same thing with the with the things that I watch is that there's a satisfying ending to it all, and um, no matter how like wild things can get kind of like um for example i'm just gonna throw in another wreck here is that it's it's um it's it's a pretty old and i believe that jennifer holm was another book out it's uh she has a new one it's um the third mushroom but my favorite is her first it's the 14th goldfish it's like um it's also stem it's um it's about like yeah it's about this kid who um whose mom suddenly appeared with a grumpy, seemingly old man, 13-year-old, who turned, uh, well, should I say it? Is it a spoiler? Anyway, um, it, it deals with, um, with um, it deals with a, oh yeah, I think you can say it. It turns out to be his, her grandfather, hmm. the, the thir- grumpy 13-year-old. Like wow, he, he physically looks like a thirteen-year-old, but he talks and acts like a seventy-year-old man. And it turns out, like he's a scientist who like uh, had this made this formula that reversed aging. And the nice thing about this book is that it questions whether or not certain sciences should be given to the people. W- would it cost like um? chaos like kind of like this reverse aging thing this reverse aging Mm -hmm. serum that her grandfather discovered um he he, she she eventually like managed to convince him that maybe this isn't something that you should like tell the world about like not everybody should be like you know because no there's 
if everyone ends up being like 13 years old, how, how are we going to take care of ourselves? We still need adults, like, you know, something like that. And that's the nice thing about it is that not only were they able to resolve the, the idea of the, the grandfather, their request to like retrieve the uh, serum from the company, they were also able to like um, give you the satisfying ending that even though that it was resolved in a sense like um, it was they got what they needed, they didn't necessarily um, able to share it because they, she realized that it wasn't right for for her to like uh, for for her grandfather to share something as dangerous as this to just about anyone because like you know anybody with bad intentions can like potentially do something bad with it so so like kind of like that that's that's one of the things that i really like about middle grade is that no matter what the main character goes through in the end it's going to be resolved and you have that satisfying feeling at the end of it all right and, um, yeah because really, seriously like some books that end like there's no resolution and just, they kill me <laughs> they literally kill me and sometimes I, the only way for me to like resolve that feeling is to like write fan fiction <laughs> nice a lot of adult literary novels end like that where you're like what what happened i don't get it you're right exactly yeah, it, it just ah, just it make gives me this feeling like is there a way for me to fix this <laughs> <laughs> and that's then, right. That's and right. the thing, like even in Pitch Forest, like um, uh, one of the most stressful moments in 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 for for the committee is the um, the having everybody having the wish list up. I think that was like always the stressful part of um of um Pitch Wars is because you're asking like a hundred plus creatives to do technical stuff. Well, like, to see what they want. I mean, which is already like, well, like so many people are like, I don't know what I want. I want good stuff. Which is just like, no, no, yeah. I mean like, like readying the widget. Yes, That's right. Oh, that, I know, bless you. She's, the, <laughs> Gail is the technical director for Pitch Wars and she's the one who is like, she's like, you have I'm to tell our listeners email. what Pitch Wars actually is because not well, everybody knows. Well, it, Pitch Wars is a mentoring program, like um, that's um, where writers and um, fell of uh, and uh, I think even editors. We have editors as well, who mm -hmm. um, who would pick like a a men a mentee to like um mentor their, to, to help them with their manuscript and then at the end after like three months I think is that three months of their journey I totally forget yeah after it's, three it's, months it's yeah. three months now yeah yeah mm -hmm. after three months there's like a showcase where where agents get to like um get to request the manuscript and the and the start of it before we like uh, we pick the uh mentees we have this um blog hop where um we're basically we're connecting all these um, blog posts, and to do that, writers just imagine this like a hundred plus writers who, who, are mentors. Tech, who are mentors. Who are mentors. Yeah. Nah, let's just say like there are probably one or two or three who are technical. 
but majority of them aren't. They have to like input a code into their into their um, blog for it to work for it to work that they're able to like you know connect all those blog posts within like within their own page. So, so, so poor Gail is in charge of like herding the cats of the mentors. And she's like, I am sending it to you via email. I am putting it in this Facebook group. I am like, she's like, she's like, just read. And her instructions are so detailed. She's like, do this, click that. If you have this, do that. It is amazing. And it always works if you just follow her directions. But I'm sure it's very stressful well, for you because it's the like. Thing. That's the funny thing, Rajani. It's very stressful for the rest of, for the other people in the committee. But every time someone has an issue, for some reason, I find it so, oh, <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> and then, and right, um, she's, like, she's like talking people off the ledge. Okay, what did you press? Okay, like well, the, best, <laughs> the best part is like, what kind of like, what kind of hosting platform do you have your website on? And people are like, what is the hosting platform? And like, it's just, so Gail is like, so she's like, okay, blah, 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 blah. If you're like, this is probably that. It is so, she's so helpful. She gets so to fix stuff. It. It's yeah. Yes. She's, she's, she's solved so it. And it's so exciting sometimes, like I'm faced with, uh, with like two or three issues at the same time because we were under, we're under a time crunch because we have to like bring it out at a certain a specific time at the same time so um sometimes i i troubleshoot three at a time and i after that I'm like i'm so like you know uh hyped up well everyone is like oh my god thank god like everyone in the committee is like gonna be like oh it's over and i'm like oh can we have more <laughs> aren't there any more trouble i want to fix things it's like the idea of being able to fix things. I think that's what makes it fun. You just for desire, me. you desire fixing things. Okay, my other question for you, which has nothing to do with STEM or Kidlet, is what is up with the ducks? Oh, they're cute. <laughs> oh, on your website? Uh, More than just on her website. I own ducks. I have like five of them. And the, and the funny thing is that one of them, which is Sunday, the, the green and black one, he's supposed to be a balut. He's like to, supposed to be food. Balut mm -hmm. is like, um, it's a fertilized duck egg. You steam yeah. it and then you eat it. It's like, I don't eat. Anyway, uh, I don't eat that anymore. <laughs> Wait, so so you, like, you like a bot bayut and then it grew up? Yeah. <laughs> he like suddenly chirped. When uh, my husband just made a mistake in the calculations, like probably just a day or two. And that's the thing with ducks is that a day or two makes a huge difference. So like in two days, he's fully developed. And it's like when he was checking, he chirped. The egg chirped. And we were like, can we still eat this? No, I don't think so. So that's how the Sunday came to be. <laughs> and it's so fun. And, and he's like really cute. He's, he's like, he, he's, a, he's, um, he's totally imprinted on people. It's like, although he sometimes with, with his other duck friends, he's not that popular, if you know what I mean. It's like, 
what they find him weird because if for if for example like um there's like a, an order with ducks is that every time there's danger they go to a certain place where they feel safe the flock hmm. the entire flock except for sunday because sunday what he does he runs to the kitchen because he feels like his safe place is with us not Aww. with his flock yeah so yeah it's like you're his flock that's very uh, sweet we're his flock like there's this one thing like um and um I'm I'm know this is one of the things that my husband and I were like telling like we were he was like he you should have told me that um that um I miscalculated and I'm like I'm like the worst person to tell about calculations because if there's one thing I may be like in in a STEM job, but I'm really bad at math. <laughs> <laughs> which is actually which is why I find it so interesting like um you know, what's this is Stacy Mc uh, was Stacy McNulty's book yeah uh, the, the miscalculations of lightning girl like, this super genius like yes like, really good at man I'm like so jealous when I was reading her book. <laughs> because like, you know that I was like telling him like when with with Sunday he was telling me, you should have told me that I miscalculated. Are you kidding me? I'm like the worst person to advise you in math things and anything with math. So there you yeah, go. That, but that, now yeah. you have a friend. Now you have a duck friend that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, thankfully. Like and um yeah, if if anything before we go, like one of the things that uh one of the other books that I also really like is that uh, you know, like Ty, uh, Ty Keller's um, "The Science of Unbreakable Things." Ooh. Yeah, it says "The Science of Breakable Things" by Ty Keller. It's 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 a really interesting book. It's, I think um, one of the things that I really like about it is, I guess it's because it deals with the scientific method, hmm. and in a way, although I don't exactly follow the scientific method to the latter whenever I'm designing, and whenever I'm like um, doing creating stories but in a way I think I do kind of adhere to the scientific method as well which is probably why I have to have like all of my data ready and um yeah come to think of it it's probably why that I really I also enjoy this book it's like um she's trying to the story is basically the the main character is trying to make sense of um uh her, her mom is um is I think her mom has depression and she's trying to use the scientific method to try to understand her, something like that. And then it's it's really interesting. And they, probably it's the thought process of a scientific method that I find it so interesting because it's so similar to how I tackle things and how I approach issues. Like, I really like, yeah, that's, that's, that, that's the thing with me. It's probably the how I like solve things. I take it step by step. And, um, I like that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It, I it, read it's, that book. You should. It's it's really interesting. It's it's really nice. It's um, uh, it's very emotional, and so scientific methody. <laughs> Perfection. Yeah, okay. like, you're gonna. Like, and another thing that you might want to take check out as well is like uh, I haven't um finish reading i just started with it it but it's i find the voice is like amazing it's um what stars are made of by sarah allen ah yes that's a great yeah. book. 
It's a great book. It's another. It's a very good book. I just probably love things that has science in it. And, um, yeah, and and just really fun, and it makes me. It's the same thing with me, like watching K dramas that, you know, that have like that deals with tech startups. It just kind of like makes you feel seen, you know, because um normally you see even in in the industry, the writing industry, it's mostly people. The very creative ones. It's it's like the stereotype of a writer is that you have to be like very creative. Like all of them are usually pantsers or something. And like <laughs> you know, some of them are like planners too and planters too. But a lot of them are like mostly creative, and um, not many are like creative and technical <laughs> at the same time. So I don't know, like. It's nice to be able to like talk jargon without people like, what are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, it's fun to be able to use the analytical part of your brain. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think it really helps too. Like it prevents, it helps prevent like, um, what do you call that? Burnout as well. Yes. Yeah, because you get to, to balance it out. Like, um, I, I usually do that. Like, MWF, I work uh, on web design stuff solely. Like, m- uh, majority of the time, I work for on, on coding, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, most of, those, most of the day, I would be writing. So, um, balance. Nice. <laughs> nice. Like I'm very scientific methody, probably. If there's, I don't think <laughs> no, there's a word great. like that, definitely. But you know, it's good. Yeah, it it's just good comes through. Oh yeah. Well, well. Thank you so much for coming and talking to us, Gail, from great. all the way across the world. <laughs> and I guess this is fantastic. Really across the world, around the world, right. around the world. Like, <laughs> I think across the Pacific. Technically, wow. yeah. We're in Massachusetts. We don't think about the Pacific Ocean. Ever. Yeah, we are. But the Pacific's way, way We're, over there. I, I'm like, you're oh like, like across so the Atlantic far. Ocean, across like several continents, and then there's some other ocean over there. There's and the then ocean, yeah. yeah. Then exactly. that's where we are. Exactly. <laughs> like really far. <laughs> this is so much fun. You are so delightful to talk to. For more information about Gail and her books, you can visit her website, gaildvillanueva.com. You can find a link to that in the podcast notes or on our Facebook page, STEM Women in Kidlet. And now it's time for STEM book recommendations. My STEM book recommendation is What Miss Mitchell Saw by Haley Barrett, illustrated by Diana Sudika. This is a picture book biography of Mariah Mitchell, America's first professional female astronomer. This book is absolutely gorgeous. It is set in Nantucket, where Mariah Mitchell grew up, and there are parallels drawn between astronomy and the ocean and the ships that came into Nantucket at the time. And the illustrations by Diana Sudika are absolutely breathtaking. My STEM book recommendation is A Garden in Your Belly, Meet the Microbes in Your Gut, written and illustrated by Masha Dianz. In this book, you get to learn all about the microbiota inside the human digestive system. These charismatic watercolor illustrations make 
microbes really accessible and appealing to kids. Thank you for listening to STEM Women in Kidlit, the podcast about women with degrees or jobs in STEM fields. That's science, technology, engineering, and math, who also happen to write children's books. Happy reading!